It's time for my annual trip to the gym. You only go once a year? Yep. Arrive. Have no clue what to do. Try some random exercises. Leave. That's it. You should try FitBod. It's an app that builds a workout routine just for you, based on your goals, fitness level, and equipment. And a whole year of FitBod costs less than one session with a trainer. Wow. This has already been my most productive gym trip yet. Download FitBod today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Incoming pitch. Spin rate of 2,500 RPM. 95.6 miles per hour. Uh, adjusting swing. 12 degrees. Proceed with launch angle. Welcome, folks, to the March 15th edition of the Launch Angle Podcast. I'm your host, Van Lee, and we have an interesting episode in store for you today. It's actually the very first time we've ever recorded in the evening, which is not really all that important, but just kind of an interesting factoid about this show. What, four years now? We've never had an evening episode? Well, here we are. I'll be joined by Rob and Jeff here shortly, and we have a lot of cool stuff in store for you today. We'll be talking some mailbag questions that I asked you guys to send in, as well as discussing, oh boy, just a plethora of injury notes, free agency signings, trades, all kinds of cool stuff since the CBA went down. I'd initially solicited for mailbag questions briefly on maybe Sunday night, the day before we were about to record. And once I noticed how much news we had to cover, I didn't really push it a lot. So I think we will do some more mailbag stuff in the future. If you're listening to this and you have a question you want answered, shoot it to us on Twitter. I'm at Manly Van Lee. The show is at Launch Angle Pod. Rob is at Rob Silver. And Jeff is at Jeff W. Zimmerman. Or you can email it to us at butuinc at gmail.com. Last little thing I want to cover before we get out of here, I have a few new reviews available on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. As always, if you leave us a five-star rating review on whatever your favorite platform may be, I will read it on the show. So back on February 8th, Will the Thrill underscore 93 says, Awesome podcast, five stars. One of the most entertaining fantasy baseball podcasts I've heard. Jeff, Rob, and Van have great chemistry and insightful discussion. So thank you very much, Will the Thrill. We appreciate it. And then back in early March, John Lombardo says, easily the best podcast for serious fantasy players. Five stars. The highly quantitative nature of Launch Angle makes it the best podcast for serious fantasy fans. It's all substance and no fluff. I love how almost all of the opinions are backed by Jeff's numbers and Rob's probabilities. Van also does an excellent job keeping the conversation moving. Best 60 minutes of my fantasy week. So thank you, John Lombardo, for the kind words. We appreciate it. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We'll bring on Rob and Jeff and talk some baseball. Here's the pitch. Uh, Welcome back to the inaugural edition of Launch Angle After Dark. I'm your host, Van Lee, and I'm joined by Rob Silver, our sultry Canadian. How are you on this fine evening, Rob? 
not not as sexy as you are, fan. My <laughs> my my goodness, the woman the woman who used to do recording at the beginning of the podcast, our own our old recording uh, uh, site, has nothing on Van After Dark. Uh, no, I'm doing good. Like, how, how much fun has the last few days been? If you're a baseball fan. Uh, this is great. this this is what it must be like to be a basketball or hockey fan on July first. <laughs> uh, this is awesome. Like the, as as crappy as we may have mentioned this uh, last time, as crappy as the lockout was, and it was soul sucking. It was like it was horrendous, and we don't want to go back there. It's such a fun release now that we're gonna have baseball. We're gonna have under sixty two games, and like it's just a transaction tsunami I, I guess tsunami is better than the orgy i used last time and like as a jays fan like this freddie freeman insanity uh that's rumored when we're recording at 718 freddie it, it's like every single person is just repeating carlos Bayerga's rumor that freddie freeman's going to sign with the jays tomorrow it makes no actual sense and i don't care it's amazing it's fantastic. I love it. And honestly, considering the way I started the show, we probably should have just stuck with orgy being what this is, but that's okay. Well, well let's let's wait till the end of the episode. I have a glass <laughs> of bourbon as we're recording. Uh so let's 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 see if I have to go downstairs and get the bottle for uh to, for a refill and then and then we can talk orgy at the end of the show. No joke. I have a bottle of 23 aged rum sitting next to me. So maybe I'll dive into that too. But let's bring on Jeff Zimmerman as well. What kind of booze do you have next to you, Jeff? I just got like watery beer right now, so I'm so disappointed in myself. That's but, that's um, that's like me saying I'm having a steak for dinner, and you're like, I have lettuce here, just lettuce on a plate. Exactly. That's all I've got: watery beer. Well, I'm excited to have you gentlemen here, and we have so much to cover. So let's just dive right into it. There are news and notes at the Wazoo, and then we, if we have time, we'll get to some mailbag questions. But right out of the gate, let's talk injuries. News came out that Zach Wheeler has mentioned he dealt with some shoulder soreness in December after throwing a career-high 213 and a third inning pitch last season. Now, the righty believes he can, quote, ramp it up quickly and pitch the opening week of the year, but the Phillies aren't quite as optimistic. Jeff, what do you think of this news for Wheeler? How far would you drop him down your lists as uh, as far as drafting going forward? I, I looked at it. Yeah, probably like... He's at least going after Bieber because I've kind of still have some questions with him. And I don't know. It's probably third or fourth round. Like this could literally be nothing. And he could just kind of miss a start. We have some people this way that he's healthy. He's just not going to throw a ton of innings. Um, He got his little bump, you know, bruise out of the way and it's all fine. But I think really until we see him on the mound, it's, it's really tough to pass on him to take a lot of people in front of him. I'm trying to like look at the list here. Dylan Cease? I don't know. I think it'd be a tough call probably around there. So um we'll see. We'll see. I think it's one of these ones we'll know more information in about a week, but a lot of us don't have a week to make that decision. There's no doubt. I mean, Jeff and I were talking before we started recording. Uh, we're like nine days away for some of us from being in Vegas. So there isn't a lot of time to be patient. I mean, a lot of us will also be doing drafts for, for a couple of weeks after that until opening day. Um, I've dropped Zach Wheeler down to 150 innings. And the reason I did that, and I had him at like 190 something uh, before that. Um 
I'd rather Jacob DeGrom as of today uh, than Zach Wheeler. I'd want a lot of, like, who are the other injured guys? Him and Bieber are close to me, but a big part, like, Zach Wheeler is obviously now an elite pitcher, but he's an elite pitcher who also depends on volume. Like for that second round, late first round type of val- uh, uh, value, Jacob Degrom can return second round uh, value in a hundred innings. Now the right answer may be I don't want either Degrom or Wheeler, and I don't blame you if you, that's where you are. But if I'm taking a pitcher in the second round. I need more than he hurt himself in December. He's well behind. He had a good bullpen, though, today. Don't worry. His bullpen's good. So draft him with confidence. It's like, I'm sorry. I don't have confidence with him. I'd rather Lucas Giolito. And it's not even close uh, uh, right now. Uh, I'd like, I'd rather Aaron Nola that like, I just, I'd rather something safe. So I dropped him down rather arbitrarily to 150 innings. And that's basically code for, I need to get a massive discount that I'm probably not going to get for me to, uh, draft, uh, Wheeler based on the information that we have. If like, if he throws in his first spring training start five innings of shutout ball, which he obviously won't, um, then do I adjust him back up? Maybe, but it's a long season. I don't I, like. I'm not taking second round pitchers who are already uh, hurt this year. Uh, somebody else can do that. Totally fair there. So let's move on to the offensive side of things with Fernando Tatis Jr. Oh, boy. He has revealed he has fractured the scaphoid bone in his left wrist, which, before you say it, Rob, my scaphoid bones are immaculate. Never had any problem with them. Uh, so anyway, that'll keep you Apparently, you're through. a better motorcycle driver than Fernando Tatisis. <laughs> apparently, and I've never even been on one. No, he said he fell off a motorcycle multiple times this offseason and said that it didn't happen then, supposedly, but here we are dealing with a broken scaphoid bone. So anyway, he's going to miss at least three months. What do you think? Where would you drop him in your rankings, Rob? Uh, I I knocked him down to about 400 uh, plate appearances. So I assume he's going to miss at least least a third of the season, at least two of the six months of the season, possibly more. And hey, Jeff, can I can I give away your secret to T stat that you, you didn't want? Yeah, there you go. Uh, from the, the day that Fernando Tatis hurt his shoulder uh, for the rest of the season, he only attempted three stolen bases the rest of the way. And I've been blown away. Um, nobody was talking about the fact that Fernando Tatis just stopped running um after he hurt his shoulder now there's good reason in real baseball terms why if you're the san diego padres you tell fernando tatis who's playing with an injured shoulder stop sliding head first into bases nothing good is going to happen you're our best hitter you're the one of the best hitters in baseball so just stop running um and is was there a possibility going into this year that he started running again of course there was but when you combine the injury um now to the wrist and those concerns, I was already fading to taste hard, which doesn't like that sounds ridiculous. Like if I had the seventh or eighth pick and Tatis was there, would I have drafted Tatis? Of course I would have, but he would not have been my first pick overall, second pick overall, third pick overall, not even close. So uh, when I give him uh, the new plate appearances, he's now my 39th best uh, hitter between Wander Franco and anyways, doesn't matter who's uh, uh, head of you obviously get a replacement player. So that's overstating how far I drop him. 
Um, but somebody else will draft uh, Tatis still uh, ahead of me, almost certainly. Yeah, I, I had him even with like Soto. Like they can both just hit the ball really good and possibly steal some bases. The deal with Tatis with those stolen bases, even if he comes back, they're like, don't get yourself hurt. Just, you know, they may even just DH him, you know, just like go knock the crap out of the ball. And that's your job. And I'm just worried he's turned in, he's going to turn into like Altuve, which Altuve is a great real world hitter. It's just if he's not getting you those stolen bases, you're almost, you know, your top side is Juan Soto, Vladimir Guerrero. You're not a number one, um, number two overall pick. It really depends for him in my league if I have IL spots or not. I don't. I like working it in if there's a league. Um, I've got a Tout Wars auction coming this weekend. He's someone that I would consider if his price is right, that I'll just, since I've got unlimited IL, I'll put him there and I'll find someone else, you know, to take his spot during those and then kind of just get a mid-season boost. But man, if if you've got to have him there and take him up a spot like an NFBC and then you start getting other injuries and you just take that right at the beginning, it, I don't know, just limits you later on in your draft on taking some chances. You kind of have to make sure everyone's playing. Um, like I said, I would have to have, I don't know where my discount would be like him. I was like looking like Trevor story. He hasn't signed Lindor. I think I'd still rather almost take Lindor Franco. That, that's where you had him Rob. But I mean, even if you need steals right now, what are you taking? Like Mondesi or him? Make that call on here, Rob Mondesi or Tatis. Or Tatis. I, that's that's a hard. Uh, the honest answer is probably neither. Uh, I would probably Tatis because I'm just so down on Mondesi, but um, but that's not a fair comparison. Like that's uh, but yes, if it would gun to my head and I have to take one, I would take Tatis uh, because the upside is still there. That I just uh, I'm not a Mondesi guy. Well, let's stick with other injury news here <laughs> with Ronald Acuna. And this one uh, we've known about for a while, but I don't know. It seems like people weren't really internalizing it because he <laughs> hopes to return in May from the torn right ACL, which cost him most of last year. So he's going to miss at least a month of the season. Would either of you be comfortable taking his draft pick there, or drafting him at his cost, which is in the first round? What do you think, Jeff? Do you think that's a, a viable option? Or is this kind of a Tatis deal where also if you're in a league that doesn't have IL slots, you'll stay away? I want to let Rob have this one. He had he's he's got a strong opinion on it. I don't understand. Like like it, people saw the video and Ronald Acuna looked amazing in a batting cage in the video, and he was doing like mobility drills, like with the cones. And he looked, my God, look how athletic Acuna uh, is. I think he may be ready till opening day. And it's like. It's like people still haven't, and we've talked about this before, it's like people still haven't internalized that professional athletes are freaks. Like you could see Bartolo Colon doing uh, baseball stuff today, like at 50. And you'd be like, my God, he's incredible. Like look at Bartolo Colon killing the baseball, hitting. Um, and we forget, like they they can literally be unable to walk and look awesome. That's very different from being able to and being permitted to play on the field. So Acuna was always it pisses me off in a lot of ways that now everybody realizes he's not going to play until uh, May. And if the proje- the public projections, the game projections, just don't make sense. Like you, you just you can do pretty simple math that even with the season starting a little bit later, um, 
you, you're making assumptions that he's going to play 98% of the games and the plate appearances from the day he returns, whether it's May 1st, May 8th, May 15th, for the rest of the season. And that's a pretty reckless um, assumption for a guy coming back from injury. Never mind, you should never project anybody to play 100% uh, of the games. So I have Acuna like in the low 30s of players. Again, you will get a replacement level, a replacement player for that first month. So this is overstating the negative side of Acuna. But I'm not taking him in the first round. Uh, and and I, that is not even me talking about the risk that he won't run when he comes back. That is me assume, assuming, because all the public projections uh, assume he comes back and is Ronald Acuna. And there is all kinds of reasons to think that is not the case. But even if you think it is the case, um, I just don't think the public playing time assumptions are right. I just know a lot of people that, yeah, that just really pushed him up. And I think a part, a lot of it was like, oh, he'll be healthy by the time the season starts. Like there's a lot of down people on getting the collective bargaining agreement signed. So they're like, oh, by that time he'll be ready. But even some of the reports are like, it's not going to be like the first of May. Some of them, it's like, it's, it's going to be sometime in May, which a lot of times it's June, you know, like by the time he gets there, and then if you draft him, I think I would cut his like stolen base projection in half of whatever it is. If he's supposed to steal 30 for the year, you're cutting, you know, that by three quarters, getting him down to about 23 of them, and then still even that maybe in half, so 11 or 12. Because so I don't think he's going to be running that much. Um, That just might come down. And I don't know if you're... Dr- Hopefully, like if you're drafting him in the first round, that you try to find your steal some other place and not count on him providing, you know, as a nice solid source. So once I've kind of cut the steals down and the playing time, I don't know, he's just not that much different than a lot of other players that are down there that are kind of providing the same thing. I mean, Marcus Simeon, probably around that same level as, you know, doing what he's at the end of the season type of production. Another one's like Francisco Lindor in the middle, brought him up before, but it's like, that just might be where he is this year. Um, I'd rather have Tyler O'Neill. I think he's going to end up putting up more, better numbers. Let me, so. let me ask you, let, let me ask you this uh, binary choice, uh, Jeff, since we're having fun. Uh, Byron Buxton, who we all assume will get hurt versus Ronald Acuna, who we know already is hurt. And I, I am assuming that Ronald Acuna will make a full recovery. He may not run, but it's not, this is not, this is not a lingering injury that it's like, whole, who knows if his forearm is going to hold up as a pitcher. Like this is not Jacob deGrom. Ronald Acuna will be on a baseball field relatively soon. So who would you draft right now, Byron Buxton or Ronald Acuna? I think I would take Buxton. I don't feel great about it, but um, either one, it's kind of one of those like, well, that's like my, um, like my chance I'm taking on my lineup. You know, it's like I have to be pretty safe afterwards, but I don't mind. I kind of like Buxton if I knew what was happening, like in an auction, like if I had some other pieces in place, but it's just so tough to grab him in like the third round where he's going and knowing that, you know, you just may get nothing when you could get someone like even Javier Baez, well, at least he's generally 
his production has been up and down, but usually he's healthy for the whole year. And you, like you said, I just want my third rounder to give me third round value. Like I hate when, you know, yeah. or, 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 or fifth round value to be fair, Jeff, it can be fifth round right. value and I'll figure out how to make that work. Right. It's like, it's like downside here at these top picks is what I'm trying to stay away from. And, but Buxton, he's the one that could be going there that easily I think anyone could say could be the number one fantasy player. Of, of, if of course. Right. Of course. Uh, there's six, 650 plate appearances of Byron Buxton could be a oh, thing of uh, spectacular, uh, spectacular things would happen. Almost certainly. Let's move on to the free agency talk here. We have a handful of guys who have signed since the CBA was put into agreement. First off, we have Clayton Kershaw has signed back with the Dodgers on a one-year deal. Kershaw has claimed that he has made a full recovery from the forearm injury that sidelined him this past postseason. So what do you think about taking him now at this point in the draft, Rob? We know where he's at. We think he's healthy, but would it? how much would it change if you saw him throwing well in a couple of games here? Uh, it would certainly be weird if Clayton Kershaw showed up after just signing a one-year contract with the Dodgers, showed up to spring training and said, I can barely lift my he- my arm <laughs> over my head. So I suppose it's better uh, that he says everything is good. Um, here's my... So I, here's... I, like, I love Clayton Kershaw. Everybody, he can't be a baseball fan, regardless of your feelings about the Dodgers and not love Clayton Kershaw. And the skills are still rock, rock, rock solid. Like, in some ways... Um, there was that decline phase for Kershaw in terms of like he just wasn't missing enough bats and and it was looking like, man, these skills are getting old. And for the 22 games he started last year, he came back with a vengeance. Like it's not peak Clayton Kershaw, obviously, but it's darn good Clayton uh, Kershaw. So the whole worry is the health. And to me, it's still a massive worry. And the... The soft reason is the Dodgers gave him a one-year $17 million contract. And to the Dodgers, they'd pay their mascot if their mascot was named Clayton Kershaw $17 million because it's irrelevant to them, a one-year $17 million contract. If Clayton Kershaw wanted to come back and pitch for the Dodgers... Doesn't matter. It doesn't tell me a thing about their level of confidence that he's healthy, that they brought him back. Because it, it's the Dodgers. They don't care about that money. It, they, they owe it to Clayton Kershaw and good for them. Like, that's not a critique. But if for me to draft Clayton Kershaw still relatively early in drafts, like if I'm, if I'm picking him, let's say now he goes in the 10th, 11th round uh, of drafts, like I still care about uh, that a lot. Um, when he's on the mound, I think he will be good. Um, I would take the under on last year's 121 innings, though. I just don't have any faith he can make it through a six-month uh, season whatsoever. Yeah. Um, everything Rob said. The other thing with Kershaw is when he goes, it's kind of at a point where I've liked some other players. It's kind of near like kind of that first base run. And maybe it's a little bit later. There's some middle infielders. It's like kind of that point of the draft. I'm just kind of backing off. But I think he could be like fine. Like I said, I think you kind of have to know what you're getting. And it's a little bit later where I'm kind of willing to cut him. If that's my goal during that point is to take a starter. But 
All the starters kind of going around then. Sonny Gray, well, Lance McCullers, that's a whole yes. different story we have coming uh, up. I would take Clayton Kershaw ahead of Lance McCullers. Yeah, <laughs> right now. But then, then we got like, it's kind of funny, like Ranger Suarez, like, oh, that whole area is kind of like up in the air right now. But like Adam Wainwright, it's like, it's just one that's like, I don't see a ton of upside. Maybe Mike Clevenger would pro- actually out of that group, I would take Clevenger over Kershaw in a heartbeat. Um, just kind of the history of people coming back from Tommy John. Like there could be a disaster, but he, Clevenger could be back to being, you know, third, fourth round values again. I don't think he'll get the innings to get to the second or first round this year, but I would take Clevenger first. It's just an area where I'm not really taking pitchers. And if so, I'm probably going to take someone else. Uh, Mike Clevenger, by the way, is I, I don't know. I, I, I'm sorry. I saw the mining. The news uh, was posted today, Jeff. I haven't had a chance to read it uh, yet. Mike Clevenger has taken up Pilates over the winter. So adjust your uh, projections for Clevenger <laughs> accordingly. Best shape of his life right there. No, oh, I didn't say best shape of his life, but he is doing Pilates. But he can stretch a little more now. Yeah, so that's he's good. more he's more bendy. <laughs> All right. So next up, we've got Carlos Rodon, who has signed with the Giants. And Rodon's going to pick 124-ish in drafts right now. Rodon last year, of course, had a monster season, a great year overall. There were some velocity concerns at times throughout the season, but 132 and two-thirds innings, 12.55 K per nine, 237 ERA. Really good stuff. Jeff, what do you think of him in San Francisco? And do you trust the health, the ability to put up a good innings total? What do you see here with Rodon now? Um, I sort of like everyone's like, oh, they trust the Giants right now and what they've done. I don't know if I 100% trust their training staff. I mean, Logan Webb still went on the IL. Alex um, Wood missed a lot of time. I think that they get the most out of their pitchers. I don't know if they just make them healthier. So I kind of think Rodon's like, he's, he's with kind of a lot of these Pitchers that you have to kind of take a chance on, like you don't know for sure if how things are going to end up going, but um, kind of around like, well, you Darvish, it's like, well, you know, we could see second round value. We could also see, you know, a lot of injuries and a lot of issues. So it's kind of just been one year of good Rodon and he's now going to a new team and he was hurt at the end of last year. So I think he's appropriately priced. If he kind of pushes up even more, I think, some of the other people going around him, I would prefer over him. Yeah, I mean, I was 100% out on Rodon prior to the signing. Uh, the signing gave me pause. I like a lot of the starting pitchers going around him. Um, the other thing with the Giants is they let Kevin Gaussman, who is a free agent, go crazy last year. The next most innings any of their starters got was Descalfani at a 167. Now, in, in 2021 baseball, that's a lot. Then Webb, 148. Wood, uh, 138. Cueto, 114. When you have a guy who's uh, not just been on the IL, been on the 60-day IL, What's the stat, Jeff? Like six seasons, six of the last seven seasons or something like just unbelievable uh, with all the shoulder injuries. It's possible that they push him. He gets over like 150, 155 innings and it all works and he makes 32 amazing starts. 
Um, the more likely scenario is they play it cautious and he gets hurt again because that's that's a pretty good indicator of uh, future health, as Jeff has found out with his research for for pitchers. So, like, I would take you Darvish over him a hundred times uh, over a hundred because you Darvish has in his range of realistic outcomes uh, a two hundred inning uh, season. Um, like I suppose Rodon could do that, but it, but it would be um, it would be a rather large surprise if he did. So I think that Rodon is way more likely as a in a good Rodon season to throw 130 very good innings. The problem is that's Clayton Kershaw. Right, like we just talked about Clayton Kershaw, that's Mike Clevenger. But these guys are going like once Rodon's new ADP uh, lands; those guys are going five, six, seven rounds later uh, than Rodon. So, given the new price I expect for Rodon, um, I, 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 I'm cheering for him in some ways because he's he's he deserves health and happiness though i guess like 40 million bucks can buy you all kinds of happiness despite your shoulder uh, but i but there are other guys i like a lot more in that range going about 50 picks later we have sunny gray who was traded from the reds to the twins and the twins have been busy more on them later as well so with gray here he kind of had I don't know, back and forth season, the ERA didn't end up quite where we wanted, but it wasn't abysmal. 4.19, 135 and a third innings, 10.31K per nine, 3.33 walks per nine. So I guess what we can say is at least he's past the old seasons where he never struck anyone out. He's still striking batters out now. But what do you think, Rob? Is that a pitcher you would like around that spot? Uh, I wish I had a bit of spring training to see how hard he was throwing mm-hmm. when he showed up. Uh, as I tweeted out last night, uh, last two seasons when Gray's fastballs averaged uh, 93 plus 225 VRA, 92 to 93, 488, sub 92, 673. Um, I guess that it really matters how that first start goes before I start drafting in Vegas. Um, I think Sonny Gray is a great uh, third, fourth, fifth starter depending how deep your league uh is uh for fantasy teams i think he's uh, uh there's a nice little discount uh right now i don't think the trade to the twins is gonna push him up so much the al central besides the white Sox, is still i know people say the tigers are better and maybe the royals are better it's still i mean the nl central after the reds uh, moves is is weak but the al central is still a good division to be pitching uh in so yeah, I like Sonny Gray, where he's going. He's exactly – we'll see if it kind of changes, but he's, again, in that spot where I'm not taking pitchers or at least maybe looking at like um, some second um, – first closers, maybe second. So it's it just – like I said, that, that 10 to 12 ADP is just not usually where I'm looking for a starter, but I have nothing against him. Like I said, if, he's, if you work your build up and um, he comes in there and – He's just kind of fine, kind of reminds me of like Eduardo Rodriguez, which is going a little bit earlier. Um, just kind of a steady guy that if you want something safe and you don't, you know, not looking for like some upside or hoping for a breakout or anything and just go for the steadiness, I think he's perfectly fine. I Like I've said, if I was like in an auction, I would just, um, he might be one that toward the end of this, he's kind of at the end of a tier where I would just like to grab as many of these guys as I possibly could. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here, and then we'll come back and discuss more of these transactions.
leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit BeNext.ThinkMOCO.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. And hey, you say Kikuchi signs with the Blue Jays, Rob's team. So let's toss it back to Rob first on this one. Kikuchi, now that we know where he is, he had a pretty fine season last year. Good strikeout rate. Walk rate was a little high, but the ERA was at 4.41. What do you think? Would you would you take him to round out a pitching staff in a draft? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that um, he's another guy. His velocity mat- matters a ton, but he also has the slider. Like he... He has the people don't. I tweeted this. Do not say he's this year's Robbie Ray. Like, do not embarrass yourself this way. Do not put that on Kikuchi. It's absurd. Um, But I think he's better than this year's Steven Matz. And if he's this year's Steven Matz after Pete Walker gets like 15 minutes with him in spring training, where he's going, and even if he jumps up like 30, 40, 50 picks. Uh, is plenty useful uh, for him. Um, so yeah, I like uh, I like I love the signing for the Jays. He's a very good fifth starter uh, for them uh, with some upside and can eat some innings. So I like it for the t- Toronto, and I uh, don't expect too much, but I think there is both upside and a decent floor, despite how bad he was, obviously in the second half last year for Seattle. Yeah, it was nice for him to have that nice. Um Four, almost four or five ERA. People were kind of staying away from him. So um, he's always kind of had some, not so much like getting hit around. It's kind of like a lot of walks without like great strikeouts. It's like just a little bit too many walks. So it'd be nice to see those walks come down. Like that would be the biggest improvement if he pull a Robbie Ray that way. Like I said, he's not going to strike out with the Robbie Ray numbers. That's just not happening. But if he could get the walk rate down, you know, 2.5 or something, I think would just help a ton. And um, no, as late as, as late as he was going almost around pick three fifty, maybe a little bit before that. Oh my God. It, it was just kind of a nice um, ad there. But I think now that he has a team, everyone is going to go with, you know, pushing him up with being in Toronto. I, I think he's going to probably jump 50 spots probably wouldn't surprise me one bit going around like him or Kyle Hendricks, Rob. Uh, oh, him for sure. Yeah. Not, Kyle not, even, not, not, even, not, not even close. Yeah. At least I, like, at least I understand what Kikuchi needs to do in order to be better. Whereas Kyle Hendricks, um, as good as he was, I have no idea what Kyle Hendricks has to do other than, like other than be a different pitcher. So it's, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Hendricks puts up a three five ERA, but I don't understand how he does it. Yeah, I can't get him over like around two fifty. Like Bailey Ober's around there, so I mean, you know, I, yeah. I got to draw We, we already know. Well, once once you get the Bailey Ober, <laughs> once you have the Bailey Ober tattoo, Jeff, you have no choice but to draft him when he's there. <laughs> 
right on the forehead too. Uh, can I can I can I uh, do a breaking free agent signing that just Ooh, uh, just got announced? Andrew McCutcheon has signed with the Milwaukee Brewers. Interesting. I saw they were talking with him. So, well, there you go. Let's talk about that. What do you guys think about McCutcheon there with a, a good offensive environment? It's a good team. It's a good offensive team. Uh, obviously, you're on the spot. So, you know, say what um, you will. But there you go. I, I'll speak uh, first since I've had at least 20 extra seconds to think about it uh, than Jeff has. Uh, it lengthens their lineup, uh, which I like. Um, they right now have Tyrone Taylor. Uh, scheduled to DH, which is a little bit of a placeholder on roster resource in the sense that Keston Hura can go this can DH and strike out four times uh, a <laughs> night. Like Mike Grosso can can play matchups. And they have Lorenzo Kane and like Lorenzo Kane without the contract, who knows if Lorenzo Kane like who knows what you're getting with Lorenzo Kane. So I like McCutcheon uh, there. It'll be interesting how healthy he shows up and how much playing time he gets. But uh, but I like the signing for them, like a real baseball thing. It lengthens their lineup, uh, which is important for Milwaukee. Yeah, um, from what I had read with Milwaukee is everyone was kind of wanting them to add a DH, but they seem like they're willing to go like be able to give Kane and Yelich a day off. And maybe um, McCutcheon's going to kind of get into that group too, where Taylor's young enough and healthy enough to kind of just take either the outfield spots and go with it and kind of give the, give their legs a break. So um, we'll have to see how the DH works out with them. But yeah, they don't exactly have like between McCutcheon, Yelich, and Kane, they might have like one healthy outfielder you know, between them. So no, I think it's perfectly fine. If yeah, if McCutcheon's your backup or if, even if he's your starting outfielder or however it's working out, or he's, I think he's only a platoon bat pretty much has been the last few years too. Maybe they'll work something in there, but um, he's one of those ones that's like, yeah, if, if he's your starting and you have to rely on him, they're not exactly that way. I think you're in trouble, but as like your fourth guy, I think he's perfectly fine. Great in fantasy if you can play in a daily league and go in and out when he's playing in Milwaukee. Uh, in weekly transaction leagues, if he's only playing four or five days a week, um, you should be able to do better even when he's at home uh, than that, I would think. And our final bit of free agency news here, barring a trade or a sign, or I guess a free we're agent still recording. We're point. still recording for yeah. 40 minutes, Van. I don't believe that there won't be another uh, signing in the next 40 minutes. Maybe we'll, we'll see Schwarber in Toronto. Who knows? But we've got one more for the list here. It's Nelson Cruz, our boy. Nelson Cruz, he has signed with the Washington Nationals on a one-year deal. He was going around pick 180, 179 or so. Cruz, of course, last year did what Cruz does, maybe a little bit less in the batting average department, 265, 334, 497, 32 home runs, just a normal Cruz year, and he's 41, 42 years old is what he'll be this year. So what do you think, Rob? You like Cruz at this spot? How high would you draft him? Uh, <laughs> do I like Nelson Cruz? Of course I like <laughs> Nelson Cruz. You guys are all crazy. Um, no, I'm not going to go there. Um it's really good landing spot from a fantasy perspective. Like, I don't think Nelson Cruz can say with a straight face, I went somewhere because I want to win, uh, but he wanted to go somewhere that would let him play every day and let him play with Juan Soto is really nice. Like, if Juan Soto is going to get on base on uh, a Barry Bonds-esque, uh, like 50% of the time, uh, then having Nelson Cruz hit after you, uh, either they're going to force, he's going to force 
people to pitch a little bit more to Juan Soto, which is good for Juan Soto and for Washington, or they're not going to pitch to Juan Soto, and that's good for Nelson Cruz. So it's uh, it's and Washington is Jeff. Correct me for and Van. Correct me if I'm wrong. Washington's a sneaky good hitters park, right? Like people don't yes. think of Washington as a hitter's park because they've had so many good pitchers there over the, the uh, you know, recent uh, stretch uh, in, certain, in terms of Scherzer and, and Strasburg and at, at all. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the corpse of, uh, of Corbin and stuff. Uh, but it's a very good hitter's uh, park. So I, I haven't really run through his uh, park adjust, like park factors for him uh, as compared to the neutral park factors. But it's certainly not going to hurt him going to to Washington. And with the DH, I assume he will. Like, I don't know who their backup DH options are, uh, but my guess is, as long as he stays healthy, he will play most days at DH. So it's fantasy wise as good a spot as he could have landed. I think realistically. Yeah, he's going to be hitting there near the top, and he's kind of got some nice OBP guys that they could probably put in front of him. Um, Cesar Hernandez gets on base; he doesn't do a lot else. You've got a good walk rate. Josh Bell got a good OBP too. And then you got Soto. It's like there's a good chance um, Cruz could just make it just, just destroy the RBI numbers. Um, it depends on who's after him. He may not have the, the runs that comes with it. It's just like, okay, you know, we've got Victor Robles sitting after you. Like, uh, but but if gonna, they do, if they do a Soto Cruz Bell, uh, yeah. like three, four, five, that's not. Uh, like the top and the and the bottom isn't very good. The rotation is terrible. Uh, but that's that that's that's pretty sweet. That's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I remember those Miami lineups when they used to have like the when they had Yelich and Stanton, and it was just like loaded. They're like their first like four or five guys, and then it was just nothing after that. And those guys was like they got their numbers because there was just enough bunching going on. But it's, yeah, whoever's at the bottom of that is just not going to have the runs come in with it. But no, I'm like I said, yeah, however it ends up working out, I think there's a group here that could end up with some really nice numbers. And um, yeah, for Cruz, he came back. I think that was part of dragging his value down. I think a lot of people, there was, we even talked about it, 5, 10, 15% chance he just, you know, hung it up for the year and said he was done. I could perfectly see that. But now that he's back, he's, the job's his. There's really no one pushing him. Shoot, dude. Just, I, I don't know what he'll move up, but I think it's, he's definitely someone you need to reevaluate. And um, yeah, I won't be surprised. There's some yeah other people that are against the DH. Like I said, they don't want to fill up that DH, but at where he's going, I, I'm I, perfectly fine with it. I think that that argument, when I hear I don't want to fill up the DH, if you're in a, a DC, so you're in a draft and hold league, I get it there in the draft and hold it like you need maximum uh, flexibility because over the course of the season, you've just got to be able to keep rolling out 14 hitters week after week. And the, having a DH only can start crippling your flexibility to keep rolling out lineups as we transition to fab leagues, re, redraft leagues, whatever you want to call it. The argument is just less compelling to me. Like I mentally see a DH only like him, uh, like him as just a, I am playing with six outfielders instead of five. And my lineup is no more or less flexible having Nelson Cruz as compared to any outfield only 
uh, guy. I need five of those. So like Nelson Cruz really hasn't crippled me. He doesn't give me the benefit of a multi-position guy. So I'm not overstating it, but I don't, I think that again, unlike DCs, I, in, in my opinion, and this is a hard thing to to, to prove objectively, I think dinging DH only guys in, in redrafts, um, is wrong, and if it and if you are dinging them, it's by like half a dollar. It's it shouldn't be a major decision factor in in terms of uh, in terms of drafting somebody or not drafting somebody as compared to an outfielder. In my opinion, obviously it's my All opinion. Right. Who else's opinion would it <laughs> fucking be? Someone's got a gun to your head. Don't you see what I want you to see right now? Exactly. Nelson Cruz is here in my bedroom as I'm recording this, uh, telling me what to say. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wish right. you would go downstairs and get me another glass of bourbon. <laughs> yeah, I'm empty. <laughs> well, let's shift on to the trades of which there were many. We're going to start with maybe a little bit less of an exciting one, but one that is exciting nonetheless. And that is the Mets have traded for Chris Bassett from the A's. And just on our last episode, we were talking uh, Tyler Megill and how we liked him. So, Rob, you kind of wished it into existence. You said, I wish that people wouldn't think that he was going to get the starts, blah, blah, blah. And here we are. Now another starter's on there. Does he get bumped from the fifth starter spot? Do you still like him where he's going? What do you expect to see? Um, I, the problem is I'm just too darn powerful. Uh, and <laughs> I, wished it, I wished it to happen. And, 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 and so it happened. Unfortunately, today there was news that Taiwan Walker... Uh, is is a bit banged up and may not huh. be ready for opening day. So on the one hand, I got my wish, like the you know the baby goat uh, um, McGill doesn't have a job right now. He, why would you draft him when he has no starting spot? Unfortunately, I think Taiwan Walker may not be ready. I also really do think the Mets and a lot of teams are going with a six man rotation uh, to start the season, uh, at least in part. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Bassett's a nice pickup for them. He will give them innings and, and good innings, and it's a good ballpark uh, for him. But it's not much better than Oakland. Like, I, I think that it will be interesting if there's an overreaction to him moving from Oakland uh, to, to the Mets. Uh, but it's good, good for them as a team. Uh, and for McGill, nothing changes. I think he uh, will find a way to get in that rotation one way or another. Yeah, I didn't. With Bassett changing, it's like I said, he's going to start as long as he's healthy. I mean, there's there's other possibility. You know, I, I really just don't see that McGill. I mean, McGill would really have to kind of turn it on, and then they have to bring Carrasco and Walker back. But my only issue, I guess, with kind of Bassett was like last year was kind of as kind of a breakout like he was kind of only good then like why didn't everyone just kind of draft him the year before and have him rostered everywhere so he's kind of i don't think there was a lot of faith in what he was doing he kind of had some low strikeout numbers he added um he added some strikeouts you know just kind of just threw a lot more strikes is what he ended up doing and um his value moved up but he really wasn't going where he was. So I think it, the only issue would be is if he kind of just diverted down to what he was kind of doing in 2019, 2018. Let's lump a couple of big trades together because there are a lot of moving pieces that went through a couple different teams here. First off, the Twins and Rangers swapped Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who we just recently discussed, for Mitch Garver. And then the Yankees managed to pick up Donaldson and Falefa from the Twins for Gary Sanchez and Giovanni Urshela. So Jeff, where do you first 
Talk about these guys' fallout from the trade. What stands out to you the most from just these moves here? I think the one guy that just, for, at least for me, his value shot up was Urshela. I think he's going to be playing third base every day, and he's got shortstop third base qualification. I think that he'd be a great guy to have as your – he may even go to the point where he's going to be a starting third baseman for a lot of ones, a lot of people, but – I think he'd be great where you could use him as your middle and your, or your corner and just kind of use him as a versatile guy. So I think like he really didn't have plate appearances and it looked like it was going away. So I think with the trade, I kind of like him. Um, the rest of it, it's tough to know. I don't think Gary Sanchez is still just going to be junk. I I mean, he's going to do what he's always done. Isaiah kind of fluff up. <laughs> I think he was with young hurt. I think he was going to have some value, but maybe he's going to have it for the full season. Maybe they're not done making moves and he's just going to be a utility player. I could see that happen. Josh Donaldson. I actually kind of moved down. I thought with the twins kind of the DH slot would be his whenever, you know, every third day or so, you know, like, okay, we're just going to give you a break and do it. But kind of there's a lot of guys that need that on the Yankees. So he may not, like on his off day, be able to slide into that DH spot. So I'm kind of worried that he won't be able to get the plate appearances. And the other one to kind of watch with the Twins is who ends up playing third base until Young gets back. Um, I kind of like India Banyas between now and then, but I don't know how that's actually going to shake out. There's a lot of kind of really bad options that um, could do it. And also... We don't even know if we're done with trades. Like they can end up bringing someone else in. Yeah, I mean the twins. <laughs> the twins. It's a, it's a really interesting series of moves in the sense that they take on Sonny Gray's contract that we talked about earlier. The Donaldson trade was a salary dump, right? They wanted to get out from uh, from his two years left. I think they took Gary Sanchez because that was the cost of getting rid of uh, Josh Donaldson. So I'm not. I know they say right now uh, Gary Sanchez is a key member of our team and he's going to play, and we're so excited to have Gary Sanchez. I'm not convinced Gary Sanchez is there by the time we're finished this podcast. Could be wrong, obviously, but I'm also not entirely sure that they didn't make these trades to to set themselves up to sign either Trevor Story or even maybe Carlos Correa if his options aren't as many as they thought they would be and the twins lineup looks so different and like i'm not crazy about trevor story uh in real baseball terms but their lineup looks radically different if you introduce either of those guys to the lineup after all of this as opposed to what they're left with now and i as i tweeted i think they could easily uh compete in the uh al central for the you know third wild card spot with that crappy division uh for a variety of reasons uh the yankees Oy. um this could be a very like if everybody stays healthy and everybody plays up to their potential then boy this is a very good lineup but my goodness this could be a bit of a mess too uh i definitely download 
that downgrade Josh Donaldson uh, on the Yankees. Uh, it, like it's, and I, my gut is the market's going to go the opposite uh, way. Uh, for the, you know, Jeff made the biggest point, which is uh, with Stanton, Judge, Gallo, look, though Gallo is a good athlete, uh, with, with Stanton in particular, the DH spot's just not there as much for him. Um, I also, and it's dangerous to speculate on this, but boy, if I had to bet on players on the Yankees who are not vaccinated, he would be my second leading candidate uh, right now. Uh, Josh Donaldson uh, is still doing his own research, is my uh, guess. Uh, it will also, and this is not a fantasy comment, um, uh, it'll be interesting, his impact on that clubhouse. There is a reason why um, Toronto uh, had no interest in bringing Josh Donaldson anywhere back near that uh, team. So, but it's the Yankees. They'll they'll be interesting. They'll do things. Um, I'm also not 100% sure that a combination of uh, their two catchers right now are their opening day catchers. So I'm not sure... Uh, who they end up with as uh, as their catcher? Like some people have speculated, Contreras. If if the Cubs want to get rid of him, but um, I, I understand why they wanted to move on from Gary Sanchez. But I'm not entirely sure that this is um, a finished product for them either. But there are no real good free agent catchers on the market uh, right now. And as for Texas, like they I don't know who their opening day third baseman is going to be. But I don't know that it's they're on their team yet either. So we'll see. There you go. Just a few more trades to get through as well as some mailbag questions. But first, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Number 97. Or House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's move on to the next trade here. We have Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez going from the Reds to the Mariners. And the Mariners and Jerry DePoto continue to overhaul their team. Winker, we discussed a long time ago in the offseason. Suarez, we discussed more recently. What do you think, Rob? Do these two guys go up, down? Overall, what do you see here with this Mariners lineup? Um, go, to, go to Jeff. I'm curious what Jeff uh, thinks about this one first. This is one I don't think either team's done. I think that's kind of an overriding, like there's going to be some other small moves or they can be small. They could be big, but I don't think like everything's done there. The one thing I'm trying to like, just look at is didn't Fraley end up going to the Reds, right? Yes. He was, he was part of it. There's some like, it looks like they're trying to put together some platoons in the outfield, but I'm not a hundred percent sure if that's the case. And then they're putting Sinzel in center field. I don't know if his playing time is going to pick up. So I think the one to keep track of is definitely if some guy can get the 600 plate appearances and plays, you know, all those at bats in great America, small park against the NO central. Some of the teams have some suspect pitching staffs that I'm kind of interested in that 
player, but I just don't know who that is right now. As for Suarez, like I'm not, I'm not excited about it. I I think he can get some at bats, but he's going to like the huge park. All the parks are big there in the AL West. I'll kind of just need to see where his projections go. I kind of like Winker the best out of the group, but the Mariners kind of platoon two Winker sort of in that boat. I just don't know how this one's going to work out. I like I said, I. If it ended right now, I'd probably dive into it a little bit more, but I'm not going to spend a ton of time looking into it because I just don't think they're done. So Winker is a real, we've talked about Winker a hundred times in the last five years or whatever, the podcast. I love Jesse Winker. He's so close to being a platoon player though. And I don't know how this can possibly improve his value. I can see how it can diminish his value. Um, so it's not a good it's not a good move for Winker. It could be a neutral uh, move for Winker. Um, uh, Suarez was the cost for them to get Winker. Like they they I don't think they have any interest in Suarez. They'll take Suarez. Uh, Suarez isn't a useless uh, player, um, but but don't confuse that with why they have Eugenio Suarez. It was, if you want Jesse Winker, you're taking Suarez. I assume whoever gets Mali has to take Mike Moustakis. Like, that's what you do when you're in salary dump uh, mode. I agree, the most interesting part of this and the most important part of it from a fantasy perspective is not the players going to Seattle, though that's neutral to slight negative, but like just marginal uh, negative. It's figuring out who is the the starting lineup and where are they going to hit in the lineup in Cincinnati. There will be a lot of fantasy value in the Reds lineup uh, still as they as this all settles. It's just not clear. Like, does this open for sure a spot for Barrero in the opening day lineup or pretty soon thereafter? Well, that's pretty important uh, to know. And where does he hit uh, when he gets there? Is Aquino uh, now an everyday player? Like, he has lots of flaws, but but if he's playing 81 games at Great American Ballpark... Um, there's also some 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 things that can be covered up there. Nixon Zell, presumably, if if he stays healthy, has a job. Is he hitting second or is he hitting eighth or ninth? Those are really important uh, questions uh, that this trade uh, highlights. But obviously, like like Mike Mustakas, if they could find somebody to take him, is not on this team on opening day. Joey Votto, I don't think they're going to trade. I don't think Jerry Joey Votto will let a trade with his 10-5 uh, rights happen, which is a shame, obviously, and, uh, for for Joseph uh, Votto, tremendous Canadian. But uh, it's it's fantasy-wise still an important lineup to figure out because they will have um, they have value. As terrible as they are, as terrible, terrible, terrible as they're going to be now. And they're not done making themselves terrible. There's more happening with this team. If they have any pieces they can sell for anything, they'll do it. Oakland is the same way. And speaking of Oakland, we also have a trade with them agreeing to send Matt Olson to the Braves for a couple of prospects. The most notable one was Christian Pache. So let's see, Jeff, let's go to you first. What do you think of Olson in Atlanta? Is there any playing time stuff here we should be paying attention to? What happens in Oakland as far as we know at this point? The only thing I would move up is probably that case, and I'll just let the projections figure out what it is, is they probably will put Olsen at getting some more um, 
counting stats, runs, RBIs, probably a few more plate appearances going through that lineup. He'll be able to navigate it a few more times. But he really hasn't changed that much for me. Like, whatever his value was, you would add a few that way. Um, now, for everyone else around him, he is a downgrade from Freeman. So maybe they'll take a hit. But like I said, this is one of those cases where I'm not going to try to see what's happened. I'll let the people that have generated projections um, look at that, figure it out, and I'll actually trust it. I ain't got time to do that with with drafts happening in two days. You know, it's like I'll I'll, I'll let the computers do their work and um, see what the change is. For any of the guys coming back to Oakland, it's kind of like the red situation. Um if one of them starting, I'm interested. I need to kind of see who's going to play then. Um, who's like on their depth charts, who's going to be moving up, who's going to be moving down. Um, so at first base, I mean, are, are Seth Brown going to be it? I don't, it doesn't feel like it. It feels like they'll sign someone else. I, I think they're the ones with actually, I think Eric Thames is in their minor league system. I think he would be like the choice now. But I just don't think they have their first baseman yet. But um, maybe they'll get Vogel back. That sounds like an totally sounds like an Oakland move that mm-hmm. they carried over. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's going to be someone like that. I think it's going to end up being their first baseman. So um, we'll we'll see what happens with them with with everyone as they kind of get some guys traded off and kind of who moves in. Yeah, uh, I think the much bigger question with Olson is not now that he's on the Braves. It's which Matt Olson is it? Everybody is assuming that 2021 sticks. That's his new talent level, and that's who he's going to be. And that's like a an awesome, awesome, awesome hitter who uh, cut his strikeout rate in half in a year. And that may be the case. He could be the 2020 uh, Olsen, who really struggled and had a 30% uh, strikeout uh, rate. Or it could be the 2017 to 2019 uh, Olsen, who had a 25%-ish uh, strikeout rate. Or it could be somewhere in the middle, which is what the projections see, which is a 20% strikeout rate. It's interesting that the projections are projecting him, all the public projections, are projecting him for a level he's never been at before. He was better than what they project for him in 2021. 20, uh, well, that's regression. That's that's good projections. Um, but, but he was much worse than that, strikeout rate-wise, uh, uh, every other year of his career. So to me, that's the more challenging part of Matt Olson is I get why people are like, we saw like 156 games of this, almost 700 plate appearances. I buy it. He adjusted. He is better. This is who he shall be. Um, that that could be uh, that could easily be true. It also uh, could not be true. And I don't think enough people are um, worried a little bit that it may not quite be true. And to that point, he's going around pick forty in drafts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would, like you're not, you're not even fucking around when you take Matt Wilson. You're, you're making a, <laughs> you're making a big, uh, uh, big investment. And it, to, to be clear, if he's twenty twenty one Matt Wilson, or or even like five percent worse than twenty twenty one Matt Wilson, uh, that's totally justifiable. Um, I just, it's interesting to me that nobody seems to be concerned that like. What if what if he slips back? Um, but anyways, I'm just Debbie Downer. I'm Mister Negative. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real shame he didn't go to Toronto, Rob. You know why? Because we could call him Matt Molson. 
Oh, yeah, that's very clever. No. Yeah, no, no, there's a beer here called Molson's, and, and that that I that's very clever, very well done. That's a, a nice little piece of Canadiana in your uh, in your. This is this is why we need to occasionally pop in a podcast after dark, so you get you get that kind of humor that you don't get in the middle of the afternoon. The beer talk, of course. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. That is the news and notes that we have so far. Uh, we have a couple of mailbag questions. We've got some time here, so let's power through a few of these. We have at Simon Raquel says, Nick Martinez is back and apparently starting for the Padres. Your guys' thoughts on rostering him in a 12-team NL and 15-team mixed leagues. Jeff, you want to take this one first? What do you think about Nick Martinez this year? In an NL, I think you have to. I think from all my experience with them, it's like he's going to be rostered by some team. You have to take the chance on anyone in the rotation, seeing what's coming back. In a mixed league, he was on my draft and hold list. You know, like you eventually take a chance on him, but I don't think he'll make it on a 15-teamer for me. I think he's kind of more of a I'll wait and see what's going on. And maybe he's great and amazing. He's kind of like Chris Flexen, and, you, you know, you can use him quite often. You know, comes back in and has that kind of talent. Or it's just um, he's on the waiver wire, and I could probably see him as like a long reliever for the Padres eventually. Yeah, I mean it, it's twelve team and only leagues are their own beast. Uh, if if you have a job and you're not getting absolutely lit up, uh, then then you're draftable. Um, for mixed leagues, I approach it one of two ways. Like I have a list of guys going after round, call it twenty three, twenty four, who are my targets. Uh, I know I'm going to be most likely wrong with those targets, and that's the reason they're available after round 24. Uh, Nick Martinez is not on my list of round 24 and after pitching uh, targets. Um, But the second group of people are like who guys I want to use for the first week. I haven't looked at the Padres uh, opening, like who's who their fifth game of the season is. If they're playing the Pirates, the fifth game of the season, then absolutely you should draft Nick Martinez in a 15 t- uh, mixed league because uh, against the Pirates at home in San Diego, uh, he's a really good start for that week. But just be ready to wave him the following week. So there you go. Nick Martinez, hopefully that answers your questions uh, at Simon Raquel. We have at Tulsa Hop saying, I know Rob thinks nobody cares about his teams, but he's just being modest. Don't worry. He he knows everyone cares. He'd like to hear the process, the thought process behind the catcher strategy that you used, Rob, in the DC that you had, mostly because it's the exact opposite of what I usually try to do. So refresh us. What did you do and what was the thought process behind it? Um, well, re- refreshing implies that I have talked about my catcher strategy. <laughs> and, and to be clear, Van and to uh, Tulsa Hop, um, claiming it's a strategy implies that you put thought in into a process to create a strategy uh, around it, uh, as opposed to this is just how the draft, that's not true. Um, so how what did I do? I took four catchers in this DC, uh, the first catcher, and I, I'm going by memory, I'd say I took in round 35. So I basically had four garbage catchers uh, who will not play very much and basically are useless catchers. And I have four of them on my DC. Um, I think for it's not how I would approach uh, a main event, but for a DC as you know, and 
I, I was not copying him. Uh, I have done this before. Uh, I don't do a ton of DCs, but it's a viable strategy in DCs. This is Phil, what Phil Dussault does in DCs. Uh, so appeal to authority, uh, which is basically you're punting catchers. And it's that that's the strategy. Um, is it better than the alternative, which is, I assume the exact opposite would be spending major draft capital on uh, catchers? Uh, both can work. And I know that's the lazy, annoying, eye-rolling stra- uh, answer, but you can win uh, getting really good values on catchers in these DCs. Uh, you can win punting uh, catcher entirely. Uh, the key thing was, uh, in terms of me tracking like my targets based on my projections, uh, I had enough offense that even getting essentially zeros from my catchers, I think I had enough... Um, enough counting stats and a decent batting average. So uh, so it worked for me. It doesn't mean that it would work uh, in every draft at all. So what do you think, Jeff? Do you agree with Rob there? What's your strategy in a DC for uh, taking catchers? Um, I actually, um, I kind of like having the higher ones, but also, also my approach to DCs that I don't get a lot of first, like six round hitters. Um. My strategy, it's been well written. It's a couple of articles at Fangraphs and everything where I kind of just get a lot of like stud pitchers and then get every hitter I can for multiple rounds. So I, I kind of hope that my, that with the attrition, I never like lead like the first month or two ever in the DC and then kind of come on because I just have like the depth. And this is kind of what's worked for me. It may not be for everyone, but, um, Whenever Fantasy Pros puts out their projections for me, they always hate my hitting. But it's also like I just know like my backups will be fine. But part of that too is is I know my hitting's not great, so I'm going to need some hitting from my catchers. They may not be – I'm not have to get like JTR or Wilson Contreras, but I need like who I think will be regulars. And like a lot of times like this year, I kind of liked um, – I would wait on Pilecki if I got Vasquez. Like I kind of like that double up like – um, Pilecki has a good batting average. So if Velasquez gets hit, that's my backup. So there are some cases like that where I kind of had, I kind of liked where the backup was and I could wait on that. But, um, the other thing was sometimes those late ones, what you end up doing is you have to start one. And sometimes you just have to hope they get hurt because they're like dragging down your average so bad. You're like, I want to throw the guy with the IL on there. So at least he's not hurting me. But if you just get like four guys down there that are playing and horrible, then, that can kind of be rough sometimes in those um, DCs. Uh, can I ask, can I ask you a question, Jeff? When you when you see fantasy pros give you a C minus uh, after a draft, how long does it usually take before the the dry heaving and the tears uh, stop and you're able to regain your composure? <laughs> Dang, you're getting like C minus. That's good stuff. D plus already. <laughs> um, no, mine are always horrible, especially like. It's it's how they are. I mean, I've I moved away from it, and it's kind of like I'm just taking chances there at the end. I can't even remember in um, TGFBI there was some. I remember Caesar Hernandez was down there, and I remember I ended up taking someone else. And I just know like fantasy pros would have loved Caesar Hernandez. They would have loved all of his counting stats, and I was like, I'm taking a an upside play at that point. I suggest um, a suggestion, Jeff. You should do some more mock drafts. 
and then run it through Fantasy Pros. And by trying different approaches, you'll eventually realize what it takes to go to, to get a good Fantasy Pros uh, grade uh, through practicing. So that's that's my uh, advice to you. I know it wasn't a mailbag question, but if you if you had asked me the question, how do I do better on the Fantasy Pros team, I would start doing more mock drafts and then testing what fantasy pros thinks of uh of your team uh that's if you want to do better that's that's what i would do and we all want to do better on those there is one thing in tout wars there's two selections and one of them is baseball hq like they have two projection systems brent hershey every year is number one coming out of that draft (laughs) for some reason with the baseball hq numbers we're always making fun of being the company man but yep with the baseball hq numbers Prince right up there at the top every year, man. The the Ariel Cohen Award for Excellence in Dominating based on your own projections. Projection system. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's uh, at Tulsa Hop. Thank you for sending in a question. Just a couple more quick ones here. We have at Uncle underscore Omar saying, I may have missed it, but did you guys discuss Andres Jimenez? And we did. I don't remember what we said. It was a long time ago. Jeff, take it away. What do you think of Jimenez this year? Struggled last year overall, but did steal 11 bases. He did, and he didn't play. I don't know what his playing time is going to be. That's kind of the biggest issue right now with him. And I don't even, I don't have the names up, but I know that there is some middle besides Ahmed, which is kind of locked into shortstop. Um, Owen Miller is one. They've got some middle infielders that are kind of pushing. Jimenez and may actually be better than him. So that's kind of the issue. I think he's going to have the job. I think he's someone that you can take. And if he's hitting, he'll keep the job. You won't have to worry about it. And if he struggles, then it'll be an issue. And then you'll just be cutting him anyway because he's struggling. But um, I, I like the talent. There's definitely some parts to like. There's definitely the speed. He plays good defense. Um, it's not a zero with power. I mean, if you just um, project out last year, now the batting average was horrendous. But um, if he went to a full season, 15 home runs, 33 steals. I mean, we can't always do that, but that's kind of what he's kind of done in the minors throughout the years. So it's not horrible, but the deal is, is that he's just might not be a good enough hitter to stay in the majors. And that's kind of the issue. Like fantasy, fine, real life, bad. Yeah, it's a. Big fucking issue, Jeff, that he may not be good enough to stay in the majors. It's like, oh, look, you know, if, if he keeps the job, he could be very good. He he checks by the bad X to have a 691 OPS. Steamer likes him way more, a 709 OPS. Like statistically, and I don't want to overstate it. Um, statistically, he has, according to Jeff and Tanner, like a two and five chance, is it? Jeff of hitting yeah, sub six fifty even lower. He's even lower. Probably, probably, probably lower. So like here, here's here's the problem, and I don't don't want to sound like a broken record on this. This is not like so. Every player has a percentage chance of being injured, and I don't think Andres Jimenez. He's twenty three years old and a fine athlete. So I don't think I think he probably has one of the low. I, I will go with he has a lower than most people, but there's still a percentage chance that he's going to get hurt. But when you tell me that he has a two in five or a three in seven chance 
of just sucking so bad that the the the, the guardians have no choice but to send Andres Jimenez to the minors or or like put him on the bench or or do whatever. That's those aren't good odds to me. And I understand why you're at a point of your draft when you're taking Jimenez that I'm short on speed and there just aren't a lot of speed options left. And and that, I get that. Um but 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 acknowledge uh that there's a very, very, very good chance uh that Jimenez um cannot stay in the majors this year because he's just not good enough. Uh and don't give me the Cleveland has no other choices. They have no there's always another choice. There's always another option. If a guy is is struggling that bad, if he has a six fifty OPS or worse, there is always a better option uh out there. All that being said, if I if I say a guy has a two and five chance of not staying in the majors, it of course also means he does have a three and five chance of staying in the majors. Now, that's you know praising you know damning with faint praise. That Jimenez just stayed in the majors doesn't mean he's been great. But there's of course an outcome where Jimenez does hit 15 home runs and steal 20 bases and is a really good fantasy uh, player. I fully acknowledge that is possible. But understand that it's not a great bet with Jimenez because, as Jeff said, he's not very good at, at hitting, and that's an important part of playing baseball. Yeah, I think like in a in um he might be someone I look at in like an OC with like a like as your middle. Like if he kind of falls to that point, and you're like, well, I'll get that. And if he doesn't work out, you just add JP Crawford because JP Crawford's going to hit the front of the lineup. He's going to do boring stuff and score a thousand runs this year. I mean, that's just what he does, and. Or Cesar Hernandez. But like I said, I think if the upside's there, but I think you have to know that you're going to drop him. Like, like that has to be in, in you know, as an option. And, and the 15 teamer, I don't know. There's just round where he's going. It's not, I think you would try to like to at least hold on to those guys this year, you know, for the whole time or at least for a while. All right. One more question. We'll get out of here. This one comes from at Red Sox Rybert, who's a cool dude, despite being a Red Sox fan. And I just realized after saying it, I don't know if I pronounced that right. So my apologies to Tyler. Ray, 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 Ray Bear. Do you think do you think it's with a French accent uh, as well? Like so many of the names who have given you trouble over uh, this offseason, uh, Van? It sounds pretty cool to me. So uh, let's I go with it. Ray I Bear. I I, I, this is not a French name. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has a two-parter question here. It's mostly for you, Rob, at the beginning. What the heck does cromulent mean? Which is a phrase that you've used regularly. It's a great one. And he also says, where are you taking Max Muncie with the recent news comments on his status? And that, of course, is that Max says, hey, I'm going to be ready for opening day. But the team says You're all, he's not going to be 100% for a long time. So there you go. Tell us what cromulent means and tell us about Max Muncie. Uh, cromulent, uh, which I acknowledge, as I acknowledged, I think last uh, week, I overuse uh, on this podcast to the point of absurdity. Uh, it's from The Simpsons. Uh, it means perfectly fine. It's just kind of sna, be, fa. Those are all uh, uh, synonyms of cromulent, uh, but it's not an actual uh, word. What, what is it, Jeff? They put it in the dictionary now. Oh, it is stop. an actual word now. Uh, I'm what dead is serious. Wrong, what is wrong with our... So it's, you can play... You can, <laughs> if you're playing Scrabble, you can play cromulent, and uh, it is, in fact, a, a counting word. Certainly. Uh, wow. Why, Jeff, why don't you start with Max Muncie, and then I'll, I'll finish it off. Max Muncie is going... I think Max Muncy could be a great 
pick if he is healthy throughout the whole season and you can get that production with first base and second base. The problem is, is he's going exactly when all the other first basements I like to target are going. So he's not coming coming really at any discount. So I'm just staying away. Like I'll take Joey Votto. I'll take all those guys. Like he's kind of like the last of that group. I don't want to take the last of it. I'll take Reese Hoskins. I'll take Josh Bell. I'll take CJ Crone. Like when it gets to Muncie, even Karloff, I don't know, his best shape of his life reports and all his, you know, all in perfectly health had kind of had me hoping for him moving up a little bit. But um, no, I don't want to be having to draft Max Muncie and um, the injuries just could bother him all year. I mean, it's one of these deals like maybe he'll play the whole year, but he's playing at 80% or he takes a break and plays 100%, but only plays 60% of the time. Just like I can find second base, I can find first base some other place. And I kind of wonder if he's being pushed up from draft and holds and just hasn't had a chance to move down. Uh, so his uh, ADP since um, March 1st is what? One, like 135? Is that right? Like ninth round-ish mm-hmm. uh, is where yeah, he's, he's going. he's kind of moved up, yeah. Uh, so he's, you're, not, you're not getting a massive discount on Max Muncie. Uh, I think there was a point in the winter, especially when people were like, he can't swing the bat uh, yet, or he was going a fair bit lower. Um, I think, I think Mac, if if you're Larry Schechter in the heck out of your drafts, I think Max Muncy is going to be a good pick for a lot of people because uh, he's been so consistently very good. As I talked about when we talked about in the ADP, 2021, 49th uh, on the Razball Player Raider. 20, uh, 2019, 52nd on the Ra- on the Razball uh, Player Raider. 2018, 68th on the uh, Razball Player Raider. None of the first basemen you've mentioned have that kind of consistent level of production. Um, but... I wish I was getting like six more rounds of discount uh, on him, which is fair, fair enough. Like I, I, I wish, I wish that Porsche I was buying was coming in at like $20,000 less. Boy, I'd really like to buy the Porsche at that point. It's like, yeah, I wish I was getting a discount on, on Max Muncie. Um, you're getting a bit of a discount here, but I don't know risk adjusted as well as batting average. The Dodgers um, don't need Max Muncy to be great in April or May. This is always the Dodgers' problem. They need him to be great in October. Um, so they will always have so many options on their roster uh, where they don't need to push him. They can play him four days uh, a week, but I need him to play almost every day if I'm taking him in the ninth round. So I get why on your spreadsheet, Max Muncy looks like a great buy. I think I'll have a really tough uh, time pulling the trigger on Max Muncy in the ninth round. So there we go. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your questions. We really appreciate it. A lot of stuff covered on today's episode, and it was a little bit of a long one, but a great one. So thanks to Rob and Jeff for doling out the advice. We will be back at some point with the Launch Angle podcast, and we are excited to be drafting. So once again, for Rob, for Jeff, I'm Van Lane. We'll see you then on the Launch Angle podcast.
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.